Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are hanging out with Sean McCabe. Sean touts that he writes over a million words a year, is author of a book called Overlap, How to Start a Business While Working a Full-Time Job, and host of the Sean West podcast. He has helped tens of thousands of students with his courses on client work, pricing, marketing, copywriting, um, and on a daily basis, he runs um, a business community for creative professionals at seanwest.com. Sean, welcome to the program. Hey, Brent. Good to be here. So, Sean, you, um, to kind of give our audience a little bit of background, um, what got you into entrepreneurship? You know, it's funny. I was recording an episode of our podcast today, and we're, we're actually talking about eBay, just like selling stuff around your house, flipping. It, it was really fun. But I, I actually went back further in my story than I usually do. Normally, I tell people I started a computer repair business in high school, went on to do web design and development and had, had a partnership with that and then you know do, doing art by myself and then running the current business. But it, I, I often gloss over the very first thing, which was at age 13, this was, I'm a couple weeks away from turning 30. So this was about 17 years ago was when I first got on eBay. Uh, I would buy and repair and then turn around and sell PDAs. So personal digital assistants like Palm Pilots, like I'd actually open them up and repair them, repair the screen, you know, they, they had the, like hinges inside and stuff. And I, I, I usually don't go back that far, but that's actually where I started at age 13. Flipping PDA repair. Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And I was just thinking about the other day of like, 
I was trying to remember back to my college years, which was probably around that same time. And I was like, what did I used to use to like check email like that? Cause I didn't have, I had like a razor or a Motorola phone that didn't have email. And it occurred to me, I was like, Oh, the PDA, like I had these PDA devices that I just, they were like totally, totally slashed from my memory. So that's really interesting. That's where you got your start. You you then went on and um, you, you mentioned doing some, some creative stuff. I know you uh, kind of, um, at least when I started getting, looking at your stuff was around uh, lettering and creating courses around lettering. So I know that that's kind of where I stumbled upon you was, and I wasn't looking at how to letter. I think it was right when you started to kind of talk about the business of being a creative professional and somebody had suggested your podcast and I got into it and it was, it was several years ago, but um, can you maybe tell our audience about what lettering is and how that got you on the internet? Yeah, it's super random. I, I, for some reason, I, I was always drawn to letters. I liked doodling and, and drawing letters on my homework. You know, I, I'd spend longer drawing fancy letters at the top of my homework for the lesson title than I would on the homework. And I didn't know about lettering or typography or anything like that in, in middle school. Uh, so it wasn't until much later that I realized like, oh, hey, this is actually a thing. And I love that about the internet because it makes... Uh, it makes you feel a little less alone or a little less weird. Uh, you can find other weird people anyway. So I found other people doing similar things. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like there were actually artists who would draw letters by hand. And that was how they made their living. So you think of like the Coca-Cola logo. It's not a font. It's custom type. Someone actually drew that. They designed that. That's really what hand lettering is like. And when I was first getting into it, this is probably about eight years ago, uh, it hadn't quite gone into this, uh, this explosion, this resurgent interest where tons of people were really getting into it. I, I was kind of in the right place at the right time where uh, about two years before it really blew up, because when I look back at the Google search trends, hand let searches for hand lettering increased by 1000% in this little, this little window where things really exploded. I was just doing this kind of in my nights and weekends. I, I got obsessed. I don't know, I don't know how or why, but when I was, uh, you know, working at the web firm that I started, in my nights and weekends outside of the web work, I would just draw letters and different quotes and stuff. But for me, actually, it was it was more a way to share my own messages. I I, I usually hand lettered things that were ideas that I came up with, and not not just generic quotes. So I was just kind of doing that every day, you know, every evening, like six hours a night, just crazy. I didn't, I didn't watch Netflix or play video games at the time. I was just drawing and I was doing it for fun and sharing it every day. And no one really noticed or cared for, for about two years. And suddenly like two years into that, I, I did the math and I, I probably spent about 9,000 hours drawing letters over, you know, four or five years or something like that. Um, and and a bunch of people were saying, "Hey, you know, can I can I get T-shirts of your your work on it or prints?" Or people would ask me for custom type logos. And basically, before you knew it, I was making uh, over a hundred thousand dollars a year as a freelance hand lettering artist. I kind of hibernated the web firm, and I was I was just doing art, and I was making great money. I had learned about licensing, so I was able to charge higher rates and I was getting royalty payments every quarter. Like it, it was going really well working with big name clients. 
but I was kind of ignoring the elephant in the room, which was while I was working with clients and, and making money for myself, a bunch of people had started following my work who wanted to learn how to do what I did, which was making a living as a hand lettering artist. And I, I thought, okay, well, I'll make you a, a guide. Here's a guide. Here's a 10-step guide. Go check it out. And then over the course of a year, a couple hundred thousand people read that guide because that page had risen to the top of the Google search results during this resurgent interest in hand lettering that who knows where it came from, but obviously there was interest here. And so after that year, I, I thought, well, uh, I'm going to save up enough money from my client work to take off client work and produce a course. And I long story short, I launched that course and that course made six figures in the first three days of launching it. So that kind of, that kind of catches us up. Six figures, a course specifically on lettering. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. very, very crazy. <laughs> but, but I mean, essentially you became one of the top authorities. And I mean, if Google is ranking your kind of how-to content on this, obviously they're saying, hey, this guy knows what he's doing, has built a following, has built the authority and trust. They're essentially giving you their, you know, vote of approval. And that helped you lead to this launch, which then I assume at that point, you're probably like, okay, well, this is probably my full-time thing now. Well, it was my full-time thing before I made the course because I was just working for clients and I was sharing my work every day and I was just sharing the work that I was doing, which is how I made my living. And then the, the teaching angle kind of came out of nowhere. I was thinking, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to make from this course, but I wasn't trying to live off of teaching it. I just thought, Hey, this could be good. I'm solving a problem. Maybe I'll make a little bit of money. If not, I just go back to client work. Catch me up on, um, so, so this is your first course that you launched. And then now that's kind of grown into basically seanwest.com, which is a, uh, a collection of courses and a membership community on how to run an online business, which I assume kind of some of the, a lot of the stuff that you at least initially started teaching was probably out of that launch for lettering and, uh, and how to build a course and how to make money online and some of those kind of fundamental things. But tell us kind of what Sean West is right now. Yeah. So Sean West is a business community for creative professionals. It wasn't always that at one point it was computer repair. At one point it was lettering. Um, I'm, I'm really not being facetious when I say I have no idea what I'm doing. Like that was kind of the premise with my podcast was I'm just going to iterate in public. Mm. I'm just going to share what I learn as I go. And I've made a lot of mistakes. I, I've shared them on the podcast, but the podcast kind of came about uh, in just talking about how I was making a living as a creative professional. At the time, it was as an artist. And then I had this course launch and people were saying, how did you launch this course? And, and not just artists, but at that point, people outside the art world, well, they want to launch a six-figure course in three days. So what did you do? And I said, okay, here's a you know, multi-thousand word case study on every <laughs> single thing that I did. I'll just break it down for you. And so that's kind of how the podcast got started, just sharing everything I know. you know. And, and today we recorded episode 389. We're, we're five years in. The show uh, has millions of downloads. Uh, and it's it's kind of just grown from there. You know, people started writing in and saying, hey, that this has changed my life. I've been able to quit my job or move across the world. And was having these incredible conversations over email, but only one-on-one -on -one with people. And they weren't able to talk to each other. So we thought, why don't we why don't we create a community where, you know, people can can connect and meet? And then we end up hosting a conference. Um, and so it kind of just it kind of just grew from there. 
And, and I remember for a while when you would go to Sean West, it was like this kind of split down. It was like the lettering business, like go over here if you want to buy lettering courses and then go over here and you can buy kind of business courses on what I'm doing with how, how I'm launching the, and running this kind of lettering side of my business. Are, are you still, is the lettering part of the business still a thing or is the business community and creative professional community kind of taken over now for you? There, there was uh, an awkward transition that, that you're talking about where the lettering stuff was still doing really well. I wasn't actively doing lettering anymore. I, I had moved on to, um, I mean, I, I really did enjoy lettering, but I had gathered all these skills in learning about marketing and business to be able to create that, that I, I started teaching the skills that I had developed over the years, like copywriting and pricing my services and licensing and, and contracts and all of the really practical stuff about running a business or, or freelancing or an agency that you, you didn't really get in school. Like the practical stuff you needed to actually pay your bills there was this gap. And so I don't know, I just, I, I was responding to that desire, what I was hearing from people, what they wanted to learn. And I just started teaching that stuff, but it was a weird transition where I said, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to create lettering anymore. I'm, I'm going to teach business, but the lettering stuff was still selling. And so I didn't want to completely bury it. So there was a period where it was like trying to make it easy to find this thing, but also, Hey, we're kind of, we're kind of shifting in, in, into this new season. Were there any, you know, fears in that transition of, of kind of going from one thing to another? I mean, it almost seems like when I look at, you know, your story over the last decade, I mean, it seems like a lot of transformation and transition, but a lot of it has been kind of under one brand. I mean, to start out as, you know, computer repair, web design, and, and evolve that into lettering and now a business community kind of all in the same brand and direction. I mean, uh, has there been kind of a, a death and rebirth phase or some things that you've been, you know, fearful of letting go? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it, it, it was just a, it was an identity thing. Like people knew me as the lettering artist and in trying to move beyond that, after I had focused on that for four or five years, it was really tough. And I, I actually felt like this is holding me back, you know? I, if I'm honest, like my mindset was, I'm, I'm just a lettering artist. Like who am I to teach about business? And I thought it was this thing that was like, it was a, it was like a weight, you know, that was, that was pulling me down that like, I, you know, I want to fly, but like I'm known as this lettering artist and it's keeping me from teaching business. And it wasn't until a few years really, really getting into the business and marketing world that I realized there's so many people that are teaching this stuff that they don't actually have real examples of success or how they made money. Like they don't have an actual case study. They, they actually just make their money by teaching other people how to make money. And it was this recursive kind of sketchy thing, you know? And I realized what I thought had been holding me back was actually this, this boon. It was like, here's a real example of what I did in a particular niche and how it worked. Like I actually had a case study. I had an example that, that lent credence to the things that I was teaching. That's really cool. You mentioned this earlier and you kind of touched on it and I want to kind of shed some light uh, on, you know, you would essentially work a full-time job with your web firm and then you would kind of finish your work for the day or whatever. And then you'd spend six hours or whatever on, 
on lettering. And I think this has come out in your material as I've followed you over the years that you have um, a pretty hardcore work ethic. I think at some point you were, you said that you were working seven days a week, uh, 12 to 18 hour days type of thing. Um, so, you know, is that just something about kind of who you are and how you approach things? And has it always been like that? Or um, yeah, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's another one of those things that I've, I'm, I've been figuring out. I, I did spend most of, you know, the, the past decade working crazy hours, doing, doing the whole like hustle thing. And, and I do believe in hustle, but I think you have to hustle as hard as you rest or you have to rest as hard as you hustle. Cause if you don't rest as deeply, as purposefully as you hustle, you're going to burn out. It's, it's just inevitable. And, and I did reach that point and I, I have experienced that and it's no fun, but I, I do tend to get, I tend to just get obsessed about whatever I'm doing. Like I'm, I want to be the best at this, you know, even just for myself, like I want to be the best I can be at something. And throughout my life, there's been this theme of overlapping from one thing to the next. I've got the thing that pays the bills, but then there's this other thing on the side that I'm, I'm really interested in like, oh, I'd really like to do that, but it's not the thing that pays the bills yet. And so like making that transition between the thing that pays the bills and the thing you really want to do is something that's been a recurring theme for me. And I, I think I'm still going through it, you know, from, from repairing computers to building websites, to doing lettering, to teaching people, to, you know, hosting a conference. I've been working on a software company behind the scenes. And, and then more recently, about four years ago, I had this idea after seeing a video about, um, uh, a guy named Stefan Sagmeister who took off every seventh year. And I was like, that's a really interesting concept, but it's a little bit extreme and I don't want to wait until seven years, but I need something. I need some kind of deep rest. Cause if I'm, if I'm all on, like I'm just obsessed about whatever I do, I don't really know how to stop. I don't know how to take a break except to go all in on a break. Like whatever that yeah. looks like, it, 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 I, I'm, I'm going to go all in on whatever it is. So what does it look like to go all in on a break? Well, you got people taking sabbatical years and I was like, I need something smaller scale than that. And so I just took this seven concept, like there's seven days in a week. This person's taken seven, you know, a seventh year off. What's something in between? And so I just started blogging and podcasting about this idea of taking a seventh week sabbatical where I would work for six weeks and take off the seventh week as just kind of this, this rhythm to balance um, my tendency to work super, super hard. And, and when it came time to do this, I, I started to balk at the idea because I, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. I didn't want to keep it up, but I had already told everyone I was going to be a guinea pig. You know, I'm going to iterate in public. Everyone's like tuning in, you know, the next episode of Sean takes a week off. What happens? You know, so I had to go through it with it and kind of grit my teeth as sad as it sounds and take a week off. And <laughs> isn't that I'm weird? Like, I mean that I mean I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate with that though that taking time off even if it's not like in a pre-programmed every seventh week. I mean even just taking a week off I think for a lot of people that are listening to the show right now they they might be thinking to themselves like gosh when was the last time I took a week off? I mean I was talking to a customer the other day and 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 she hadn't taken a week off and I think something crazy, like four years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is, it's everyone I talk to, 
it's this idea of taking purposeful time off to rest is so foreign and we love our work. You know, we, we like, we, we created our business, but the thing is we created it in, in a lot of cases because we wanted freedom. And it's there, there's, you know, this joke that's like, you know, you quit the nine to five so that you can pick which of the 15 hours you want to work in a day. It's, <laughs> it, it's not exactly the freedom that you had in mind when you started out, but who's to blame? Right. I mean, didn't you kind of create the environment you live in? Like you, you made your bed now sleep in it. Why don't we create this scenario where we give ourselves that time? Like we give ourselves that freedom. And that, that was something that I didn't have. And so it was just this, this compelling idea, but I thought, Hey, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what happens. And that was, that was four years ago. And I have not looked back. It has been an absolute game changer. Not only do I take off every seventh week, but I pay all of my employees to take off every seventh week. And it's, it's been incredible. Like one of my employees was working on a music album. He plays all these different musical instruments and he, he had been working on this for like seven years, something crazy. And over two or three sabbatical weeks, he finished his entire album. Wow. That, that is such a cool gift to be able to give someone, but it, it's like, we're just, we're happier. We're more well-rested. We do better work. It makes so much business sense to me because people will be like, oh, that's great. You know, you get to rest. Maybe you don't get as much work done, but work's not everything. And I say, no, no, no we get more work done because here, here's what I believe. Things take as long as the amount of time you give them. Like if I say, Brent, do you think you could get um, 70 years worth of work done in 60 years? You're like, <laughs> okay, you know, just work a little harder each day. Yeah, I, I could do it, you know, but at a smaller scale, it's really hard to think that way. Can you get seven weeks worth of work done in six weeks? The answer is yes, because things take as long as the amount of time you give them. So you just get your back against the wall. You start tracking your time. I track my time on desktop and mobile, you know, apps like rescue time and stuff. You start seeing where your time is going. You're going to, it's, it's a sobering realization to realize just how, like, I, I think of myself as a productive guy. I waste a lot of time. And when I give myself less time to get things done, I get them done. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting that, that, that constraint that you've now built into your business. I remember I was, I really wanted to go to this one conference and it just happened to line up with, um, when we were kicking off our third version of our bootcamp program, which was like a 10 week business accelerator for, for agency owners. And it, it happened to be literally like the very first week in this conference. And I was like, well, I, I really need to go to this conference. Cause it's like the thing that I want to do, but I can't miss the first week of program. And then I was like, well, wait a minute what if I taught like my team how to deliver the entire first week program, like the onboarding, all that kind of stuff. And it, it actually forced me to make a lot of decisions that I had been really dragging my feet on. And I kind of used that almost as a constraint to prepare and to figure things out so that I could go on this conference. Well, okay. So that was the short term, like, you know, benefit was like, Oh great. I got this little thing done because I had to take this week to go to this conference. But then the long-term benefit was the next, you know, 30 boot camps that we launched and ran. I never had to be there for the first week, you know? And so I imagine for you in this, in this uh, seventh week sabbatical paradigm, it's like almost like you, not only are you getting rest, 
but you're also creating a constraint for your business to say, not only are we going to get more work done, but we're going to actually prepare our business for us not being here. I mean, have you seen any of that kind of benefit for doing this? Oh yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. It, it actually highlights, um, it, it, when you say this, it's, it, sounds, uh, it sounds insensitive, but everyone is replaceable, right? Like if, if someone gets hit by a bus, it, it's going to be a very sad thing and we're going to have to figure out what to do in the business. We can't just let the business completely fall apart. And the same is true with, with you, the business owner, you need to essentially replace yourself in the business so you can work on the business instead of in the business. But what sabbaticals does is if we all need to be off and, and there's a, there's a bigger topic of if you have large organizations, by the way, little PS, my mission is by the year 20, what, what is it now? <laughs> 20, it says 20, 2047 on your, on your 2047 website. 2047 yeah. is it, my mission is to get every company in the world to pay their employees to take off every seventh week as a sabbatical. That's, that's my mission. And so one of the problems I have to solve, especially with larger organizations, is how can people be off when you have things like customer support or you know server maintenance or whatever? And the solution ends up looking something like staggered sabbatical tracks where some people are on and some people are people are off. But that, that aside, what it does is everyone at some point needs to take off and the business still needs to run. So how does the business run without each person being in their role at certain times? What it means is you as a business, you, you need to be able to continue operating. The, the role that any one person occupies needs to be able to be fulfilled by someone else in their absence. So, it, you know, you have to figure out processes and, and procedures and things like that, which I think is actually, it, it's a really good thing. It's a healthy thing. Like you should, every business should almost have that stuff in place anyways. But yes, now you yes. have this kind of, I mean, I don't want to say selfish because it's not really selfish. I mean, it's kind of like putting your own oxygen mask on first and then those around you kind of concept of like you resting is actually helping you to serve other people better. So while it might seem selfish at some level, it's actually in service of the business or your customers or your employees ultimately. Yes. A hundred percent. And so, you know, back on the, like, how, how is this productive? You taking off so much time? Cause it does end up being, uh, what is it? 52 divided 7.4 weeks a year. seems like so much time, but because we get seven weeks worth of work done in six weeks, and then we rest and everyone on the team rests for a week, and there's only one rule for sabbaticals, only one rule, which is freedom from obligation. You can't schedule anything for your sabbatical week because people think, oh, look at all this free time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yes, I'll do that meeting. Yes, I'll take that phone call. Yes, I'll get coffee with you. And then you go into the sabbatical week and now you didn't realize how much rest you needed until you gave yourself the opportunity. So now you're craving downtime. You're craving rest. But what do you have? you have this full agenda of obligations, which completely negates the, the purpose of rest. Now, that's not to be confused with, you're not allowed to do anything, stare at a blank wall for seven days. You can do anything you want. It's just, you want to say yes to it while you're on the sabbatical, because that is the time in which you know your true capacity. 
when you're on the sabbatical, when you have the option to rest or to do something like meet someone or work on a music album, that's the time to make that decision and not preload it beforehand. So you've got this pure week of anything you want it to be. You could go through all those courses you've bought that you haven't touched. Is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) That's my pile of good intentions. We we, we don't talk about that pile, Sean. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm looking at books on my desk. I keep buying them thinking that'll make me read more, right? Uh, but you got this, this beautiful week of possibility, no obligations, anything you want. It's amazing. And so what happens is we come back, employees come back, I come back reinvigorated, recharged, energized. And so we get the seven weeks worth of work done in six, and then we come back and there's this spike in productivity because we're recharged. So overall, it's a net win. We're more productive than if we didn't take off that seventh week. You mentioned uh, your your big big goal of um, to get every company in the world to pay employees take off every seventh week, which I think is an amazing uh, BHAG. Uh, you mentioned the staggering for larger companies that have teams as kind of a tactic of how this could potentially work for them. Uh, but it sounds like your team, do you guys all kind of do this at the se- on the same schedule? We do. Um, we've, we've been at varying sizes. We're, we're smaller now than we were. We had eight at one point. We, we have always taken off uh, the same seventh week. It hasn't been too much of a problem with us. We, I mean, we, we don't have enough volume for it to matter. Yeah. Uh, but if, if, we did, if we ran like a, a SaaS company or something like that, we probably would have to have at least someone on all the time. So, you know, in, in full transparency, so I, we, we just did this big event, right? We have a couple hundred digital agency owners out uh, to Colorado once a year uh, for three days of like intense learning and, and networking and community building and all this kind of stuff. And it was our, our sixth annual conference. And um, it, it was amazing. But like for me personally, I put a ton of work into it. I mean, you, you did some conferences uh, I'm sure you understand the stress of of putting on an event. Like it's exhausting. It's, it's not just like the week before. It's like the 90 plus it's days before. Months before. Yeah. So I was, you know, I, and especially as you get closer to the event, you know, my my work day goes from you know probably a usual like 12 hours and it starts to eat to like a 13, 14, and then like the weekend of the event, it's always like 21, 22 hours. You know, it's like I'm sleeping for three or four hours, and it was actually like one of those. At some point during that week, I was like, oh man, I had read about, you know, Sean and his, some of the burnout stuff he experienced. And I thought I had seen him talk about like the sabbatical thing. And I, you know, I kind of searched it and I found your blog on sabbaticals and I was like, holy crap, like this is a potential solution to the hardworking entrepreneur that never takes a break. Cause I think we, you know, and I think you put it nicely on your, somewhere on your blog. And you, you mentioned in this interview that, you know, you go all in on things and you needed a tool or a framework to go all in on rest as well, which I think is something that I, I certainly forget. I mean, usually we finish our conference and then it's like, you know, we have a whole bunch of new customers and we have all this new excitement, like, you know, I'll take a day or two off or whatever, but I don't take like real rest time. And, and honestly, over this last like six or eight weeks since our conference, I mean, it's been a little bit of recovery, like slowly recovering. Finally, I'd say I'm probably back to about 80, 85% now, but I started to look for a solution for burnout. Um, how, you know, at what point should people that are maybe listening to this episode 
be thinking to themselves like, am I experiencing burnout? Am I experiencing something in my business where this could potentially be a solution? Because that's, at least that's for me, Sean, how I, how I kind of looked back or looked deeper into this topic that you'd presented is, is like as a solution or as a tool to solve this problem of burnout. Like what, what should they be looking at in their own businesses if they might be experiencing this? Well, the first thing is if you're asking yourself, am I burned out? Am I burning out? It's already too late. It, you are. That's like, the answer. If you're finding your way to Google typing in burnout, that you're probably like, that's, that's your, that's your very binary indicator. Like you probably have burned out or you're in the process of it. I didn't recognize uh, until six months after the fact. And I, I've, I've experienced different versions of, I would say burnout on its own, as well as burnout that came more in the form of depression, which I, I did a podcast episode on, um, recovery from depression. And I did not, I did not recognize until six months after the fact. And so I, I've talked to other people as well. And I've just, I've, I've discovered that if you're asking the question, mm. then you are. So that's, that's really good insight. I think that gives great clarity for, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I need a better test than that. Right? Um, so, so, so let's talk about this. So in terms of if somebody is interested in starting down this path, and this is part of your mission by 2047, and I want to, I want to help you do that. And I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to make a public statement on this. I, I, I should say I'm, I'm considering this. I'm thinking about it. Uh, I might have been put some dates on my calendar. Uh, you know, I like to keep things a little close to my chest until I at least know like, okay, Hey, I've done this. Um, but if they are, if somebody's thinking about taking their first sabbatical, whether they follow your seventh week sabbatical or not, you mentioned your your kind of one rule is freedom from obligation. Um, what were some of the things that you were thinking about kind of before you committed to your first sabbatical? Like, were you worried that this was going to not work? Were you worried this was going to be a waste of time? Were you worried that your business was going to fall apart? I mean, what were some of the things leading up to your very first sabbatical that you were thinking about? Well, literally all of the above. So first of all, thank you. I'm glad that you want to help the mission. Second of all, I want to encourage you to, I mean, I, I'm just going to push for it. Make the commitment on this podcast. Tell the listeners that you're going to do it and then sh share, document the journey. Because yes, to, to all of the above, I was afraid of all of those things. And I'll be honest, the only reason I followed through with it is because I told people I was going to do it. It was just that accountability, that commitment that actually got me to do it. And what I've noticed with onboarding different employees, as well as working with people to implement sabbaticals in their own lives, in their own companies, is the third sabbatical. So this is the third seventh week is the hardest. The first one feels like a vacation because that's you've experienced that before. It's the closest thing you can relate to. The second one, uh, it feels wrong. Like, uh, oh, you know what? I actually, I, I misspoke. The third one is where it clicks. The second one is, is the hardest. So it's the first one feels like a vacation. The second one comes way too fast because you're used to your vacation coming 50 weeks later, not six weeks later. So it comes way too fast and you're thinking, there's no way I can't take off time. I, I, I have so much work. I can't take off this time. And that's where people usually fail is they won't do the second week or the second sabbatical because there's too much work to be done. If you can make it through that, the third sabbatical is where like 
it's like a, a physical thing. Like your body craves it. Like you, you reach it and it, like it feels right. That's where it clicks is that third sabbatical. So you, you've just got to get to that third sabbatical. Um, as far as what to do. So obviously this is, this is the topic of my, my next book. My next book is called seventh week sabbatical and I've been writing it offline, you know, personally. And I thought, "Ah, you know what, if I get hit by a bus, (laughs) I want at least part of these ideas to be out there. And, you know, I, I, again, this is my mission by 2047. So I want the message to spread. So I decided, Hey, I'm going to write the book in public. So that's, that's what, that's why I made that sabbatical.blog website is just, here's where I'm going to write the book in public. And, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to share that. Like, I'm just going to iterate in public, all of that. But so that's where you can go to find like the, the, basically the practical steps, but this is as simple as it was in 2014. When I started this, I went to my Google calendar. I created an, an event called sabbatical. It went Monday through Sunday. And I said, repeat every seven weeks, save. And I haven't touched it. I just haven't touched it since then. And, and that's really the only way that I keep doing it is because I just look at the calendar and I say, oh, there it is. I guess I have to take a sabbatical. You know, I kind of throw up my hands like, well, that's what's on the calendar. I got to do it. And, and you've kept to that um, for the last four years. And then your first quote unquote seventh year sabbatical, which was kind of the original inspiration from that TEDx talk, which I actually remember watching that talk several years ago. It's like an architect. Is that right? That, that does it or that had the TED, the TED talk on that? Yeah. It's a, uh, or a designer it's some kind of designer, I yeah. think it, agency in New York. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember watching that and being like, oh man, that's in he, he actually talks about it in his TED talk about how, when he comes back, what he did in his sabbatical inspires his work for like the next six years. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it was like, I remember watching that and being like, oh my gosh, like, I, you know, could, could I do that? Right. And I'm like, a, like a whole year. Like that just sounds like too much, but I feel like this is almost giving you some stepping stones or some confidence to build the systems, maybe build yourself out of your business. What, what, what is your, have you set your year yet for, for the, the, the seventh year? Yeah. So the, the idea that originally inspired me to do a small scale version, I eventually came back to it, revisited it a couple of years ago. And I thought, you know what? At this point, a couple of years in, I've seen the benefits of purposeful rest and purposeful time off. Like the sabbaticals concept is incredible. All of my ideas, all of the things that have propelled my business forward have come from that and, and opportunities that I couldn't have anticipated. But like, like we talk about opportunity cost, when you're, when you're just heads down and you're just going, 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 you never see the forest for the trees there are so many things that you missed. You, 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 don't take, you don't take a breath. You don't take a step back. It's been a game changer for me at a small scale, just every seventh week. So I thought, okay, I'm going to trust the process. I'm, I'm scared to death, but I'm going to take off a seventh year. Like I'm, I'm like this workaholic who for a decade worked 16 to 18 hour days, seven days a week. And here I am, you know, uh, b- by the way, my day looks very different now. Um, I, I stop work by 3 PM. I, I walk every day. I, I, you know, go running, I stretch for like an hour or two hours, which sounded crazy to me. Like I, I spend 30 minutes a day with my wife. I go to bed at eight 30. I wake up at four 30. I write every day. Like my day is crazy different now. That's like, it's a whole other topic, but 
I no longer work those crazy hours. And I've, I've been more focusing on managing energy instead of time, which the book, The Power of Full Engagement is, is excellent on that topic. But I've just been going all in during the times that I work. So instead of saying, there's more work to be done and work till 9 p.m., 10 p.m., you know, there's always more work to be done. So why don't I start with what I want my day to look like? Why don't I start with when I want to be done with work? So I spend time with my wife and I get enough sleep and I stay physically active. Why don't I start with what I want life to look like? And so everything in my life has transformed as a result. And I thought, okay, this has been great. This has worked. What can I expect from a seventh year off? I don't know. I've never done it. But I'm, I'm going to go in just like I did before, trusting the process, and I'm just going to document it. So the seventh year, the first time I take off a full year since starting sabbaticals will be 2020. And I plan to uh, document that as well. And you can definitely find out uh, a lot more details about um, your experience so far doing the sabbaticals um, at your your website, sabbatical.blog. I feel like I have 50 more questions on uh, some of the logistics of the sabbatical. Um, but I think at a high level, going through your material, listening to you today, I mean, I'm, I'm personally sold on this, uh, you know, and I, and I will, I'll take you up on your, uh, your suggestion. Uh, the December 3rd through 9th is when, when I first, you know, kind of journaled on this, when I first kind of felt a little bit burned out, I was like, okay, you know, you and I talked over email a little bit. I journaled a little bit more about it and I, I did mark it on my calendar. I just did the exact same thing you suggested in your blog of like every seventh week. So so that's my first one. That's going to be my quote unquote vacation. Um, I know some some things. Uh, so so I'm, I'm going to commit to that. Um, and that's I definitely, beautiful. I, I'm, I'm so excited for you. And like the reason I was even public about this, because my first thought was, I'll just, I'll just take a sabbatical. No one needs to know. Uh, I, I thought, you know, I want to I want to make a deal out of this. And so I would pre-record little mini sabbatical episodes to go out on my podcast dur- during my absence just to remind people of the importance of rest. And as a result, I've seen that other people have started taking their own sabbaticals and it's just it's so cool to see and it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't shared that with my audience. And I'm also uh thinking about this. So do you have people that have um <laughs> families, um, like kids. And, I mean, cause when I was telling my business partner about this, I was like, Hey, uh, just want to let you know. And I, I was so funny. Cause I was kind of like, I was, I was telling him about it and he was like, he was like, Hey, are, are you like trying to sell me on this? Or are you trying to sell yourself on <laughs> why you should do this? Right. And he was like, just go do it. Um, but one of the things that he brought up and this might be a common objection or a common kind of what if is around like families and also like pre-existing vacations or time off plans. Uh, and, and what you had said earlier in the show was that you just took a recurring calendar event like every seventh week. It's kind of, it literally is arbitrary in how it falls. Um, do you have any experience with people in your community or that have followed your blog that have talked about how this works with other logistics around like, you know, kids, kids school, uh, family vacations. I mean, any kind of pointers on that before we kind of close out the show? Yes. So the, yes, it, it was originally created in 2014 and set to every seventh week. And so it's like, well, what, what happens when that falls on the week of Thanksgiving? Like it does this year for me or Christmas or some other existing holiday. It's, it, that's when it falls. No problem. You know, take your holiday. Okay. What about when it falls not on Christmas? Do you, do you still take the Christmas holiday? Do you still take the Thanksgiving holiday? 
yes, you still take all normal holidays. We only work five days a week, so you still take normal weekends. It's just above and beyond and in addition to. Now, typically, people take you know a couple weeks of vacation a year. And so the, those are the two weeks that they really look forward to. And that's, that's their vacation. And hopefully, although in, in some cases, uh, it's not the case, but hopefully that's as stress-free as possible. But what often happens is it ends up being a really stressful thing because it's, it's the only time you have off and like so much goes into it and you need to get all the rest, you know, in, and it's like, it ends up being kind of stressful. So the, the important thing is not to conflate, um, a sabbatical with a vacation. Do they coincide sometimes? Sure. But it's, it's important to see them as separate because a vacation is often something where you travel, maybe you're visiting family. And in many cases, it's not, it's not the same as rest. Sometimes you come back from visiting family for Christmas and you're just really tired, especially if you have kids traveling with you, you know, it's, it's a lot of energy. So sometimes you might want to take a vacation on a sabbatical. That's fine. Other times you take a sabbatical just for the sake of resting. And as far as exceptions go, there have been cases where an employee has an existing trip or an existing vacation that's planned a certain way because the spouse's work schedule, et cetera. What do you do with regards to the sabbatical? Well, I, I've just gone, you know, played it by ear and I've said, hey, you know, you want to take a vacation the week before our normal sabbatical week? That's fine. You know, no problem. You can do that. In some cases, it's like, hey, you can also take the sabbatical if you want on top of that, or you can work. Like we're pretty lax about it because like, I, I, I don't know, you, you could say maybe I'm naive, but I'm just not going to worry that we're going to get the work done. The employee knows, hey, this is the work you have on your plate. So he'll, he'll get it done before he leaves. Or, you know, like I, I basically just don't worry about it. And I trust people to get the work done because overall they're just happy workers. And I imagine happy workers, good culture, and probably some effect on the business, financial health overall. I mean, that's obviously, you know, long game. I mean, besides just wanting to have happy people, but like, you know, it has to be benefiting your business. Otherwise you wouldn't have been doing it for the last four years. Well, to your point, it becomes a competitive advantage because think about you as someone who is hiring an agency, you're comparing two agencies that otherwise are identical, they're offering comparable services and whatever, but one of them takes sabbaticals. One of them pays their employees to take off every seventh week. Whose employees are going to be happier? We know happy employees do better work. And so I I think that absolutely becomes a competitive advantage for you. Sean, you've got a really great message. It's been uh, a pleasure to dive deeper into the topic of sabbaticals and also share a little bit about your platform with our audience. Um, Are you ready for our lightning round? Let's go. What is the best advice you've ever received? I'm just going to pick something. Show up every day. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? It's between writing every day and waking up early, but I'm actually going to say as a night owl at heart, waking up early. Can you share an internet resource or a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? I love Forest app, which is both uh, a mobile phone app as well as a, a browser extension that allows you to stay focused kind of 
Pomodoro timer style, but it gamifies it so you can create a forest of trees and uh, that, that helps me stay focused. And speaking of that pile of good intentions, what book would you recommend and why? You know, I just finished it uh, two days ago. So this is hot on my mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with The Power of Full Engagement. I listened to the audiobook. It was only four hours long. Absolutely incredible. This is a book I'm going to return to again and again. It's about managing energy as opposed to managing time. Awesome. Those are great recommendations. Great to learn about your uh, advice as well as your habits. Um, Sean, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Well, it's it's funny. Like sabbatical.blog is literally my side project, but it's probably one of the most things, uh, one of the things I'm most excited about. My first book uh, is overlapbook.com. That's about starting a business while you're working a full-time job. So if that's not you, you probably know a family member or a friend who's working a full-time job and they want to start their own business. That book is free to read online, overlapbook.com. And if you made it this far into the show, you'd probably enjoy the Sean West podcast. Awesome. We will link out to your book. We will link out to Sean West. We'll link out to your podcast, the sabbatical blog, and the many other great resources that you mentioned on the book recommendations and so much more on our show notes. Check that out, folks, at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Find Sean's episode and you'll find all sorts of goodies, takeaways, um, and and links out to everything that Sean mentioned. So so take a look at that when you guys get a chance, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Sean, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Thank you for the opportunity. It was awesome, Brent. And that is our program for this week of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you for how to grow your agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 